Let's go back. It's the spring of 2013, and the Golden State Warriors are back in the NBA playoffs for the first time in five years. As a matter of fact, in 2013, Golden State had made the playoffs once in the previous 18 seasons. But the Bay is back in the big dance, taking on Denver and looking to put on a show. Reminder, the 2013 Warriors, this is pre-Steve Kerr Golden State. Draymond Green isn't starting yet. Iguodala plays for the Nuggets. And Wardell Stephen Curry has yet to be crowned the greatest shooter of all time. But he takes a big step toward that throne on Sunday night, April 28th, again, 10 years ago as of this recording in 2013. It's game four of the Western Conference first round. The Warriors hold a 2-1 lead over the Nuggets, and halfway through the third quarter, Golden State is only nursing a four-point lead. And that's when it happened. Golden State is running their patented Carl Landry, Jarrett, Jack two-man game. Jack comes off a high screen and roll and drops a pocket pass to Landry at the top of the key. At this point, for some reason, Steph Curry's defender, Corey Brewer, leaves Stephen Curry open at the three-point line to defend Carl Landry. (laughs) Do you hear what I just said? Corey Brewer left Stephen Curry to defend Carl Landry. I hope I said every syllable of all those names clearly for you. Landry gets the ball and, of course, swings it to a wide-open Steph Curry, who upfakes the rotating Wilson Chandler, sidesteps into the corner, and flicks a wide-open three toward the basket. But as soon as the ball leaves his hand, Steph Curry does something he had never done up until that moment. He spins around, away from the basket, away from his own shot, and stares at the Denver Nugget bench for a moment. The only problem, the shot hasn't gone in yet. He turns to run back up the court to get back on defense, and only then does his shot finally fall through the net. The crowd erupts. Viewers are wondering what they just saw. And maybe the coldest signature shot in NBA history is born. The Steph Curry look away. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the Apple podcast, Latrell Sprewell, the half-Filipino, half-Jewish, Andrins Biedrinch, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal office depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair in my own basement. Today's episode of First Ballot could be sponsored by... Baron Davis's laugh. Baron Davis, Golden State Warrior legend. Baron Davis, one of the great laughs in our world today. Let's listen to it together. Here he is in response to a joke from Charles Barkley. I had churros last night. <laughs> I see what all the excitement is about. What a great laugh. Listen to it again. What a great, warm, lovely laugh. I had churros last night. <laughs> There's a lot of rascal in that laugh. I really appreciate it. That's fantastic. Baron on the sort of Mount Rushmore of the special guests on Inside the NBA. Just a fantastic guest on that show. Laughs massively important to chemistry. All chemistry, really. Uh, Television chemistry, certainly. Even basketball chemistry. The next time you meet somebody in your life with a great laugh, tell them it's great. Tell them how great it is. Baron Davis, come on the show. Discuss your dunk over Kirilenko. Steph Curry's first look-away shot is an insanely special sports moment that has changed sports and will continue to change sports for years to come, decades to come. But that doesn't mean it's a first ballot Hall of Famer. For a sports moment to be included in this first ballot Hall of Fame, it has to be the the most special, 
the coolest, the funniest, the most unique, most athletic thing that's ever happened on the field of play. We're going to decide whether Steph's first look away makes our hall. And here to do it with me is none other than the executive vice president of basketball operations for the defending champion and seven-time world champion Golden State Warriors. He's also the vice president of GSW Sports Ventures. It's the talented, the young phenom, Mr. Kirk Lakeup. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me. Kirk, thank you so much for being here. What a waste of your time. <laughs> that's that's one way to put it. I think everything could be looked at as a waste of time or or a tremendous use of time. It's all in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> well, you say so you haven't decided yet. Well, I'm going to do my best. We're going to try and make this one a good one. Right off the rip, set the table for us. Favorite sport, favorite team, favorite athlete of all time. Every guest gets asked those questions. You can go the sort of easy route and say the team you work for and someone that played for them. You can do that, but you don't have to. I just want you to know it can be any sport, any team in any sport, and any athlete in any sport in any uh, 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 that's ever existed or ever played. Okay, well, I, I could take the easy route here, and it would be true, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back to when I was younger. The, the the people that really got me into sports and yes. basketball specifically, my, my greatest love. And I, I love really all sports. I, I'm a huge sports nut, but I grew up going to Stanford basketball games uh, wow. in, in the nineties and early two thousands. And my hero uh, for the longest time. Um, and it's rare that you get to meet your heroes and that they're actually great. Yes. I actually got to meet my heroes and he has become a friend of mine um, and, and is a great person. But Chris Hernandez was the point guard of Stanford basketball in the early 2000s. I remember um, him. Yeah, he was just every the, the way he worked hard. First of all, he was the point guard at Stanford. So that to me mattered right, a lot. Right. That, that was what I wanted to be. Uh, but Chris was just such an amazing winner, hard worker, smart guy, you know, was able to lead his team. And I, I had the fortune of meeting him when I was in high school and became friends with him later. And, uh, yeah, that, that might be my favorite player. Um, if, you know, he really helps set the table for everything else for me. That's that's fantastic. You mentioned playing, wanting to be the, the point guard for Stanford. How long did you play? Did you play in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was a good high school player. I was uh, briefly a How walk-on long? at the, the Stanford team. Had you, the were you really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I was. I never got that far. I was I was on the team early uh, in my freshman year. Um, but uh, I had the chance to play Division three and and made the – the choice to try to play Division One uh, instead, uh, and ended up starting the club basketball program there. Um, Amazing, and yeah, I'm How, I, I was what, decent. What position? I was primarily a point guard. Uh, there was a point when they tried to shift me over to be a two guard. I just that's not how my my mind works. I, I was not right. an aggressive scoring mentality. I was always more of a set everyone else up. Um, Kind you of couldn't shoot. Coach on That's the what you're type. saying. You, you couldn't shoot. That's fine. It depend that, depended on the day. <laughs> Kirk, who did you pattern your game after? Do you have an NBA player comp, and do you want to hear mine? Well, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, who works in basketball, I, I tend to be the one who asks these questions. Right. Um, I also tend to give them uh, to people after I play with them or watch them play um, unsolicited. And I, I had a good one recently where. Uh, I, I told someone I had played with them about 18 years ago and they asked who I thought they played like. And I gave them uh, the name of a two-way player and they were like kind of looking at me. Cause usually you give like, you know, a, a major all-star. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, I mean, it just wouldn't be realistic, but like, this is, this is a good one. Actually. It is a good player. He's like, you know what? I really appreciate that. So <laughs> I've actually always said and described my own game. It depends where I'm playing. If I'm playing in certain rec leagues, I might describe myself as someone like this if i'm playing a different league i might i might be more like this and even depends on the day um so for myself it's it's a little harder um th there are certainly uh i play at san quentin in the prison um mm -hmm. quite a bit and and there they've decided that i'm an enforcer um so i'm gonna go with that i'm gonna i'm gonna take the like charles oakley comp there you go. um i don't think it's it's typically true of me but i will happily take that by the way that's about the coolest goddamn sentence i'm gonna hear today <laughs> you go play at san quentin and they refer to you as the enforcer that's incredible uh kirk i am like a i've said this before but i'm like a hybrid between anthony mason uh and um luke walton 
I'm like, a, I've got okay. uh, pieces of both of their games in me. I probably should have played uh, very high level college ball and maybe even really sniffed, um, you know, maybe even playing like low minutes on a contender in the NBA. But it's, I chose like television. I love podcasting. that comp, though. That's a player I would like to play with, to be honest. Anthony Mason, Luke Walton. Um, I've played with Luke Walton a lot right. we used yes, to play pickup right. together when he was an assistant coach here and uh, i can tell you it's he's a lot of fun to play with um and i, I watched anthony mason and i would have loved to be his teammate you don't want to be yeah. on the other side i that's think right. but that's um, right <laughs> being his teammate would be great see i already am forgetting the fact that i'm making you know corny jokes and you actually know these people that i'm talking about sorry about that um kirk you've been with the warriors for over a decade now what was your first job with the team so I started in 2010, the end of 2010, um, and I believe my first title was director of basketball operations, but it was kind of nebulous, to be honest, right, because there right. were only four or five people in our whole operation at the time on the basketball side. Wow. Um, and my job was really just learn how the NBA works right. um, and try to come up with different ideas. Um, and pretty quickly, I kind of became our analytics guy. Uh, this was you know, post money ball and baseball. Uh, right. but really when analytics and basketball was, was just beginning to be kind of a thing. And, um, I, you know, there are lots of people today who are, are way, way smarter in analytics, including our, our own, um, executive director of, of basketball analytics. And, uh, but that was kind of one of the first things I did. And, and the second, so these kind of end up shoehorning together is new ideas, but, um, I really enjoyed my time in what was then the, uh, the D league, the NBA right. developmental league. Right. Now it's the G league. Um, and I, I would go back and forth. We had Jeremy Lin on our team and I would right. go to Reno, uh, who we shared the team with a couple other NBA teams. And I got to know the coach there, the staff there, a bunch of the players and was like, wow, we have such a great opportunity to develop players. And so after that, uh, I made a whole presentation for us to go and buy our own team. Um, of course it ended up in, in Bismarck, North Dakota, which for someone from Northern California is about as far and cold as you can go. And I, I spent quite a bit of time there the next year. Um, and that became kind of one of my early niches was, was being the, the D league guy, the, the minor league development guy. Um, so I wore a lot of hats in the early days. Uh, I traveled a ton, um, you know, every, every month it felt like I was working on something different. Um, and I think it prepared me really well for what I do today, which is, kind of help with everything but everybody else does all the work that's <laughs> that's so amazing i'm so i can't even explain to you how jealous i am of you and your career uh you so you come in you st start establishing the analytics department i read that you were also involved in some scouting early on who was like the first guy where you're scouting the analytics really support them. And then they end up being a part of the team, whether it's with the Reno Bighorns or, you know, they end up making the team, the, the Warriors team. Who's that first guy that you sort of lay claim to like, uh, uh, uh what's his name? Jim bus. I'm a Lakers fan, by the way, I'm not the, the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan. Jim bus famously is a like Andrew Bynum guy. Is there a guy that you go, here, this was a guy that I championed the analytics. You know, we're reading this way. We signed him, and then this is the way the career turned out. Um, I'm not a big credit guy personally when it comes to the team. I That's believe the it's decisions are made by the group, um, right. and ultimately the responsibility falls on who's charged the GM. But I think the first two guys that I was pretty intimately involved in um, one was Jeremy Lin, came in the same time as me. I obviously, I grew up with him. I knew him. I played against him. I followed his career closely because Amazing. of it. Um, and I was very much a part of that decision to bring him in. Now it didn't work out for him with us. Right. Um, it, it ultimately helped him. I think, you know, for sure, get, get to where he needed to get to mentally eventually to make it with the Knicks. But the first one with the Warriors probably was Kent Bazemore. Um, oh, yes. I had scouted him early on uh, at old dominion at a tournament uh, that they used to run. I think it's similar now, but it's a different name up at the uh, Mohegan sun in Connecticut. And I actually saw him play against a Kentucky team and was like, wow, this guy is, is great. Now analytics were very different at the time. I don't know how much they would have supported right. um, grabbing him, but I, I right. thought he was a great player to grab oh, just from an energy standpoint and nascent yeah. skill standpoint to bring in for summer league. And then he yeah. wowed us at summer league yes. and we gave him a chance. Amazing. Scouting seems like, well, I don't know if it's the perfect job. It's the job that I go, man, I, how much fun would that be to go scout players and like be a part of 
bring them onto a team, that would be really fulfilling and a lot of fun. And listen, Kirk, I'm not saying I should be a scout for the Warriors. I am saying my Twitter history is glorious. And right there in black and white, if you want to check it out, feel free. Perfect. Uh, I hope you deleted all the bad stuff, right? You deleted oh, all the all the old takes that were wrong? For sure. <laughs> I, I, I took those out. I take the, the, I, the draft isn't over before those are gone. Uh, you work with Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, of course. Both uh, good-looking, like California dudes, like like surfer, like good, like model-like type, good-looking mm-hmm. dudes. Does that uh, make you angry? It's the single hardest thing about working with both of them. Um, <laughs> it's I got I to be. It. Yeah, I hear it from people all the time. Um, and and you know, really, the worst part is they. It's not just that they're good; like they both have great hair. Yes. Unbelievable hair. And it's, it's infuriating. Um, you know, it's something that I will never be able to, to, (laughs) to, to get to, uh, myself. And it's, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, my wife all the time (laughs) likes to tell me how great both of their hair is. And I'm like, sorry. Oh, that's really devastating. That's tough to hear. I'm, I'm almost sad. I asked that question, but yeah, (laughs) I look at both of them and like, there's a, I really look up. I think they're both like amazing at their jobs, but also there's like just enough of me that hates them for the way that their faces look and their hair looks and all that stuff. So um, good luck to you guys. Hey, listen, uh, Kirk, we have to dive into our moment. We have to decide whether Steph's first look away makes our first belt hall of fame to do that. We have to go through our hall of fame credentials. Uh, those are the categories by which we judge our moment. We'll make a decision at the end. The first credential one near and dear to your heart analytics, the numbers, the stats, people love these things. I got, I'm assuming you're still a big stat guy. Let's go through some of the numbers here. This game, 33 minutes played for Steph, 10 of 16 from the field, 62%, 6 of 11 from deep, that's 54%, 5 of 5 from the line, 31 points total, 3 boards, 7 assists, 4 steals. God damn, that's a pretty good game. Kirk, your thoughts on those stats. Is that sort of a run-of-the-mill Steph game? What stands out from those stats? Yeah, those are fine. That's, that's, <laughs> that's so uh, crazy. I've seen that before. Yeah, I've seen that before. <laughs> Honestly, you could have just rattled off those stats and been like, was that last night? Uh, was <laughs> oh that last God. week? I, I mean, that's <laughs> what a flex. yeah. That's that's pretty standard <laughs> Steph stuff at this point. That's so crazy. What what a you know it's impossible to and I think of this way with LeBron, it's impossible to appreciate guys like that. The two of them specifically, because we've never seen anything like them. It's like the, it's like trying to wrap your head around the universe. Like we can't do it. It's too big. It's you can't really understand it. And I feel that way about both of their careers. You just were like that game was fine, and you're right. It that is because I know his stats. I, I know what he does. That is a fine game. But if I read those numbers again, it's those are ghastly numbers for a game. Uh, all in a all in a playoff game, which is amazing. Uh, going a bit deeper, he's one of three from the field in the first half. Pours in 22 in the third on 8 of 11 shooting. And he really does that in six minutes total. This, as I mentioned, game four of a playoff series. The Nuggets, by the by, are the three seed. Golden State's the six. The Nuggets won game one. Here's what I'm setting up here, Kirk. The Nuggets won game one. The Warriors won game two, but by 14. And only won game three by two. So this look away happens in game four. You're only up to one and you only have a four point lead and it's in the third quarter when he does this. Does everybody understand what I'm setting up here? It's fitting that the most audacious play I've ever seen on a basketball court comes, starts, begins at a pretty audacious time. It's not like you're walking away with the series. It's in the balance. He's still young. He's not Steph yet. And he pulls this at that time. That's amazing. It it is what is so great about Steph. Period. It's that the 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 biggest moments are the biggest moments, Ugh. and and yet he treats them like any other moment. Right. Um, it's the joy in which he plays the game emanates through moments like this. Um, mm. You know, no moment is too big, too small. He doesn't think about it too much. Uh, I think that's. It's it's really a an important way to be great um, is not to let things bother you, um, and he doesn't. He just he plays the game. He has fun. If he makes a mistake, he moves on. Um, if he has a big moment, he enjoys it. 
and then he moves on to the next one. And that's why we have so many, uh, so many of his incredible moments. Um, you know, when, when I was first asked to recall this moment, I actually couldn't remember the first one um, at first. So that should tell you something. Um, he's made this into right. a thing, yes. right? Like this yeah. is, oh, this is his God. thing. It's like the night night now, but the original was the look away. And um, you know, once, once I thought about it, I was like, you, you know what? There was one original look away shot. Um, and it, it is so long ago now. It's, it's unbelievable to me. Um, but that playoff series was so memorable in, in so many ways. Um, yeah. It's, it's the fact that he can make something so extraordinary seem ordinary because most of the time somebody does something like this, right. it happens in a meaningless time in a meaningless game. Right. Yes. And, and then they go and they, you know, they parade around and, and nowadays you're going to post that on Instagram and TikTok and it's going to go viral and whatever. That's not why he did it. Right. He did it in the moment. Right. Because he was throwing a dagger. Right. And it felt right. And he God knew when he released it, probably before he released it, to be honest, he knew it was in and it was just natural. Um, and so, you know, that to me is what's so special about it is how he you're, treats it like it's nothing. You're exactly right. And you're setting up like the entire premise of this show. Like there's another level. There's like there's like having a good game. There's having a great game. There's being a good player. There's being a great player. There's being a star. There's being a superstar. And then there's another level. And that last level is entertainment. It's showmanship. It's knowing that I'm putting on a show. And that guy does it in spades. He does it all the goddamn time. Pardon my French. He it's just it's really amazing. You mentioned that he doesn't he isn't held back by making mistakes. I couldn't believe this when I looked it up. Steph missed the three-pointer he took just before the shot, and he missed his next shot after the first look away, which was also a three-pointer. He missed the three before he did this, and he missed the three after he did this. I will never remember either because all I remember is him hitting that first look away. That's, that's amazing to me that you can – still have the guts to do something like that after you've just missed. And then it's not like he, I mean, obviously he had a great quarter there, but he immediately missed the next shot that he took. Just crazy to think about that, that sort of uh, sandwich between those. Yeah. Uh, again, I mean, I just, it, it, here's the craziest thing. He does this stuff all the time in practice and treats it the same way. And I think that's why you get to a point where someone can miss the first one, right? do that. And the second one, miss the next one. It's because he's, he's like, for him, he's normalized it. Um, and he knows whether the shots go, it's not, he doesn't need a heat check. You know, right. most guys, they, right. they're going to start doing it once they're hot. Right. Um, he lives as if he's always hot. God he's always him. on fire. He steps on the court. He is on fire and he just, that's, that's how he's going to go. And he's going to enjoy himself. Um, and I think I, that's the, the last part I'll say about it is that he does this not in a mocking way. Right. He's doing it because he himself is enjoying the moment, right? He oh. is happy. And, and that's, it's actually, it's one of our core, uh, one of our base core mottos, uh, mm. one of our core words that we use, uh, is joy. Right. It's, it's one of the things Steve Kerr talks about all the time. And it really wasn't like Steve saying, we are going to play with joy right, and compassion. Right, right. And blah, blah, blah. It was, what are you guys, what is the team? How do you play? What do you live by? And joy just came to mind. And so he's always said, that's one of the core four core things. The pillars of Warriors basketball is joy. And I just can't think of anybody who encapsulates that's more than Steph, but not even just in these moments all the time. And that's that's what makes it so special. That's really exciting. What well, like, that's really exciting to hear. Uh, I, you know, I've, obviously everyone talks about like the dribbling routine that he did, or you know, years ago when he was first started doing. It, everybody was talking about that. I've never seen the dribble. Th I've never been in a game early enough to see him do it. I got the chance actually to direct the first, well, not the first, but I directed um, Steph and Katie played pig at your practice facility. Uh, we shot it for Bleacher Report, and I directed it. It was the first time that I got to just watch him outside of the context of a game play basketball. And you guys were wrapping up practice, and I'm sitting over there not preparing for the, sh the shoot that I have, and instead I'm just watching people play basketball. 
and Steph did a thing with the with the um assistant coach, the like silver fox assistant coach, the good looking assistant coach you guys have. <laughs> I, I love can I stop you for a second? Yeah, yeah. I love that you just described him as the silver fox. I know exactly <laughs> you're talking yeah, about Bruce you Fraser, aka yeah, Q. Yes. That's right. And yes, we they have other people who call him a silver fox, but I yeah, absolutely love that you just referenced him that way. <laughs> Continue <laughs> on. Yes, tell me about the shot. Now that we've gotten past silver fox. He's practicing and he's, you know, he uh, uh Mr. Fraser's rebounding and th- tossing it out to, and he goes around he's just going around the three-point line and he, and he never misses. He never misses. And it's really weird because you're watching it and they're all going in and it kind of looks like a robot like 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 it's not real like you sort of start to go is this real and it like you get numb to it because they're just going in and then it's it's not a game so no one's screaming he just keeps making shot after shot after shot and it's just weird it's just weird it's very weird what he does i want to take i'm going to take Steph down a peg for a second here to be as good as he is at shooting he has to be very good at doing like one thing the same way over and over and over again. And you know what? That's not normal to, to be able to do that the same way. So he's the abnormal one. I'm the normal one. And that makes me for right now better than Steph Curry. There we go. Can I, can I just ruin your day? <laughs> maybe your year. Oh, um, please. <clears throat> Steph, the, the way you describe that, I, I love hearing people's stories of watching Steph shoot some unbelievable, ridiculous shot. Right. Um, because everybody who's gotten the opportunity to see him shoot in person has one. Yes. And they think that the shot that they saw right. is the most ridiculous, <laughs> absurd thing that any humans ever made. Right. And they all have a different one. <laughs> everybody we talk to has a different one. Right. And I watch this daily and I every day I'm just like flabbergasted how he even comes up with some of these things. But here's, what's really going to upset you. He practices all this stuff. Um, He goes about his daily life like this. He, everything he does, he works so diligently, so hard that it it makes you upset, angry, disappointed that you're not, Right. doing that it's That's inspiring right. and infuriating right. <laughs> this is you know I, I said this at the very beginning about how you want to be careful about meeting your heroes yes. and i was fortunate enough to meet mine and he was everything i hoped for steph is is literally everything you could hope for and more as a person i don't say this because i know him and because he yeah. could hear about this he literally he's better than you think he is and uh, it's because of all all the work right. he puts in behind yeah. It's not like this is all just God-given talent and he just can go out there and do it and you know he doesn't have to try. This guy works so hard, not hard, smart. He yeah. changes his thing and it's constant. Right. It is a pendulum Ugh. every single day in the off-season. I, I don't think I've ever met somebody who's able to do so many things in a day every single day. Like his schedule is he'll fly somewhere, go meet with kids, have a business meeting, get a two hour workout in an insane. And it's not like, you know, when you and I work out and we're like, (laughs) I got it today. I I went hard. And then, you know, you're in your mind. You're like, I really could have given it more, a lot more. Yeah. Okay. I cut some corners and I said I was going to work out 30 minutes and it was 26. Um, This guy, when he works at two hours, he works at two hours and he works out hard and he works on all the things he's supposed to. And then you know what he does? He goes right to the next thing and he has some other meeting yeah, and he's kissing like babies <laughs> and, you know, doing a product launch. And then he has another workout that night oh and then he gets gosh. on a plane and it's, it's really, really amazing. Yeah. But it, it really does, you know, the, the moment that you talked about it, it reminds me back to, I said that I had, I had to remember when that first look away was first. It took mm-hmm. me a minute or two mm-hmm. um, because I can't tell you how many people come up to me and say, did you remember this Steph shot? Right, right. And I'm like, which one? Right, right. Like, was it the one in warmups three days ago where he like (laughs) threw it over his head 80 feet in the air and it bounced Uh, off the Jumbotron and swished? Like, uh, did you see that one? Um, Yeah, it's it's really remarkable. That's sort of at the core of that old like Jordan Kobe story about like, I don't want to sit because – 
um, you know, someone might be coming to this game and seeing me for the first time and I have to leave them with something. Guys like that and Steph right there, chief among them, give everyone something that feels like it's theirs. Like I have yes. that practice story and in up until now, I thought it was mine and you did just ruin it. And then you followed <laughs> it up by explaining to me how I don't work hard enough. And you're right. <laughs> We're going to finish this podcast and I'm going to go eat cookies because our neighbor brought over holiday cookies that they meant to give to us. They brought them over now. They're a little old. It doesn't matter. I'm going to eat them. And that will be my post-interview time. I, I love that for you, to be honest. <laughs> um, the only way I'll be disappointed is if you don't eat all the cookies now. Um, I'll feel like you didn't give it your all. But you know what? There is There is beauty in the simplicity of eating the cookies that your neighbor brought for you. How dare you? Uh, the last stat, I'm going to get back now. The last stat I have in our analytics category, Golden State would go on to lose to the Spurs in six in the Western Conference semis. Don't remember if the Warriors, that Warriors team ended up becoming contenders or anything. I know the Lakers did win the 2020, 20, the 2020 championship. My thanks to them. Go Lakers. Sorry, was there a question or a comment here? I kind of heard, was there an asterisk in what you said? Oh, my God. How dare you? Kirk, we gotta, I want to address that. I want to stay on that and address it, but we got to move on to the next credential. It's the eye test. What did you see in this moment? There's not much to discuss in terms of the eye test. The thing that sticks out is that he shot the ball and spins around and looks at his competition on the bench behind him and doesn't even look to see if the ball goes in. That's what's special here did you see anything else in this moment what else do you see when you see uh, a look away from Steph well here's the here's the issue with the first one is he's not looking at the ball but we are right um you're trained to watch where the ball's going not not to watch the player right so you know when he did it you don't really realize at first what happened um I think his teammates did because he does it right in front of the bench right. or whatever right um and it's almost like he did what? But when you're watching, you're watching the ball like that. You watch it go in, and in that corner of your eye, you're like, "What was that? What? What? what That's right. What did he just do?" That's and then right. everyone starts going nuts, and you start to be like, "Did I? <laughs> what did he?" Right. And so then you pull out your phone, and you start scrolling, you know, during a timeout, and you're like, "Is this? Is this on Twitter? What he did? What?" And that's when you're like, "Holy shit!" That's right. Oh my God. And you have to watch it a few times, That's but right. in the moment you're, you're kind of like, at first you don't even think you saw anything, That's but then right. there's kind of that, yeah. that buzz that. and you're like, you're hold right. on, maybe I, maybe I did see something. It, and it, and that's a pretty wild feeling too. Uh. That's really good. You're you're exactly right. It's fleeting. It's this like crazy thing that you don't pick up on. And we're going to talk about it here in a second when we talk about the call. You don't really feel it right away, and it's only on the rewatch. So it's like you're discovering something, and you get to appreciate it after the fact. That is a really special – that's an interesting argument here to add to this moment's uniqueness and how special it is. That We've not had that on the show before. That's really good. Um, it, it, well, I was just going to add to that. Please, the problem please. now is – we do look at the players when they shoot. He right. because he did that, yes. he has changed the way For you watch. Sure. And now you're actually now I guess all Nick Young. And I, I know you know that meme. Um, <laughs> of course. And and we had Swaggy uh on our team here and, and man was he entertaining. Um but now all of us are swaggy P when we watch games because <laughs> we're not even watching if it goes in. We see Steph shoot, and we want to wait to see if he's going to turn around. Because we assume if he turns, it's in anyways right, at this point. Right. Um, but it's pretty wild that that moment changed that. You used to watch, and you'd be like, he did what? You know, you're trying to figure out. And now you're just watching him, That's and you're so like, eh, hey, it probably went in. Let's see what yeah. he's doing. Was he was he doing the look away? Was he doing the gallop? You know? is he? What is he doing? That's great. You're exa you know what? It's it's In that regard, it's almost like, a finishing move in professional wrestling. Like you want to see yep. the guy do the thing he's known for. You want to see Jake, the snake, throw the snake on top of the guy. You want to see ravishing Rick Rude do the rude awakening. You want to see him do the thing. That's his like patented move. The look away shot. Ugh, 
You're absolutely right. We just watch him. You're watching the performer. For a moment, you stop watching the game. That's amazing. What a great ad. I'm sure he's missed one, but I've never seen it. Do you remember seeing him miss? I've never seen him do that turnaround and then seen him miss the shot. I would like you to find a step that proves it's happened. I, <laughs> you know what's the truth is I didn't, as I was thinking about that, I didn't want to look it up on YouTube to see. I'm sure someone, maybe someone found it, but I don't want to see it because right now it's like magic. He's like a magician. He's like David Blaine. I don't want to know the truth. I want to live in this world that he's created for me. I want it to stay magical. I want to believe that it's a magic trick. I want to believe that it's magic. I want to believe that that card is in that bottle because you have a mystical power. I want to believe that when you shoot that ball and turn around, it's because you know you are certain it's going in because you've already predestined it with your magic basketball power. That's what I want to know. The, so the, the, Steph Curry is a wizard is what you've, what you've decided. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you just say he's leaving to the Wizards? The Washington <laughs> Wiz- are you guys getting Beal? He broke it right here on the show. No. Uh <laughs> It's not this is this is the last thing I want to say in terms of eye test. This is my contribution to the eye test category. That look away shot is not basketball. That's a compliment that I reserve for only a few plays I've ever seen in my life. And what and I don't mean it's not basketball and like an old guy that's not the way the game should be played. What I mean is that that what him him doing that the look away shot it's never been a part of the game before you don't it's not normal you don't see it it's the same thing when he's dribbling around the clippers and he goes behind his back and he steps back and he shoots that shot over the clippers everybody knows that moment when i saw that i was like that's not basketball you don't see it there's a Russell Westbrook play, too, where he gets the ball out of bounds on like a middle of a game he grabs the ball out of bounds he absolutely sprints sprints down the, down the court, no one's in his way, and he two-hand dunks it. I think he's wearing a face mask, maybe a broken nose. And he dunks it, and the, the, the sound of the basket is just unholy. And he lands and he runs back on defense, and I watch that and I go, that's not basketball. And I mean that in the best, most complimentary way. What Steph Curry does is not basketball. That look away is not basketball. So what do we call it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> do we need a higher form of basketball? We, we do. With a, like a basketball 2.0, whatever yes. in the heavens. We, yeah. Okay. We should go higher on the numbers, like 8.0 or something. Uh, Kirk, can we talk quickly about the Chris Mullen retirement, the, the number jersey retirement? Can we talk Ab- about absolutely. that? Absolutely. In fact, not only will we talk about it, I, I will show you a personal effect here. I don't know if you can see it on my I camera. Can. Oh, my God. Um, we, we can talk about that that piece of art right there but what yeah shoot let's let's do it he he i'm i'm sure all of basketball fans listening to this know the moment but if you don't the warriors retire um fittingly chris mullen's number chris mullen phenomenal shooter new york's own chris mullen stand up new york love chris mullen your father is the somewhat recent owner of new owner of the warriors goes out to fet Chris Mullen roundly booed by the fans at Oracle roundly booed. Honestly, again, I was going to pull down a clip and play it, but it's kind of brutal. I I didn't like, it's, it's almost rude (laughs) and I'm not, I'm not a Warriors fan. I'm a Lakers fan and I boo my team all the time and I get mad about stuff. So I get it, but it's, it's a little uncomfortable. I didn't want to play it. What was that moment like for your father? What did you learn from that moment as both a son and now as an executive that you might use today? What lessons did you learn from that? My perspective was was very different. I was in the I was in the stands or up in a suite or something. I was I was watching from above, hmm. and it was pretty surreal as it happened. It was almost like it was really hard to kind of, I guess, process what was yeah. really going on at yes. the time. Um. And it was loud. It was pretty loud. And I remember going down stairs after it happened just to kind of check on him and, yeah. and see. And he was uh, – he's about as steely as, as you can get. I mean, he's, he's a really confident and uh, nothing, nothing rattles him. And he was rattled. Um, and he gave it about five minutes and then he kind of sucked them. He said, all right, 
we go back out there. Um, and I was kind of like, wow, like this is a moment when people run, yes. they hide. And, uh, and he decided to go right back out there. And he, even that night answered every single fan email that he got. Um, and he did media the next day, um, knowing it would be something that was not going to be fun to talk about. And he thinks about it to this day, no question, because how many people on earth have been booed by 20,000 right. people at once right. raining down where, you know, the sound's <laughs> supposed to come down on there. Um, hasn't happened to a lot of people. Uh, and so it's one of those moments, what, where do you go with it? Uh, mm. what do you do with it? And I think it, it pushed him to be even stronger, more motivated, um, and competitive about it. <clears throat> you know, you, you look back on it now and it's, it's easy to remember it as kind of a silly thing. Um, but I, I try to keep the perspective of this happened to a human being happens to be yes. my dad yep. and it is brutal. Uh, really, really brutal. And, you know, we could argue about why it happened and we could discuss, you know, it started as this and maybe it became worse because of that. And mm -hmm. whose fault is it that this happened to begin with and why, but it doesn't really matter to me happened. Um, so I have this, this actual piece of art from that night, um, right in my office here. And you see, it's a, it's a wooden, it's, it's wood and it's a portrait of Chris Mullen. It's signed by Chris. Um, this is Hall of Fame 2011 right there on it. And uh, I actually found it in my dad's office um, as we were moving from Oakland to San Francisco. Mm. It was in a pile of stuff that had been kind of stored in a closet. And they had him go through, what do you want to take to your SF office? What do you want to leave? And this was like a dump for him. Don't want to remember this, you know. Wow. And so I just kind of grabbed it and I was like, you know, this was a pretty meaningful yes. uh, experience. Yes. Um, one day he may want it. He may never right. want it. He may never right. want to see it again. But for me as an executive here and as a son, I think it was important to remember. Now, granted, I'm not the one who, yeah. who's going to have to right. hear those boos in my mind. Um, but I, I, it serves to me as a reminder of kind of where we've come from, um, how, how <sighs> long, and, and also what uh, – what my dad was able to overcome or how he was able to yes. handle a really tough yes. situation. And it's, it's almost not even that I'm, I am very proud of him for how he handled it, mm -hmm. but it, it's, it's almost more inspiration for me. Like for sure, just remember how somebody handled something really, really difficult, yes. uh, you know, in, in a really positive way, he, he turned something awful into something positive. And so I like to have it here. Um, one, so that I can tell the story, um, of course. And, and two, uh, because it, it's a really good reminder. The, the, I, I was hoping that having this conversation might yield something like everything you just said. Uh, and I'm so glad that you, uh, and so appreciative that you were generous enough to give it to us. I, I completely agree. Like this show is about moments. I feel like there are moments in everyone's life where you have to make a decision and, and, and make a tough decision. And, those people were roundly booing him. A chorus of boos raining down on his head. A, a guy that, again, I don't know your father, seems like a jovial, nice, kind, um, uh, charismatic person. And the boos are drowning him out. And what did he do? I mean, in the moment, it's amazing you told us those details about what he did in the moment, about how he's answering the emails. That's fantastic. But then from the bigger picture, what does he do? He goes and builds one of the best franchises in sports today and an amazing, one of the best five-year-plus run that's still going on. A fucking, uh, pardon me. <laughs> a goddamn dynasty. I'm going to back off from the F word and go right to the GD. He builds a dynasty. Does he got any, like, I told you so in him? Does he ever want to tell people, like, go back out there and go, I told you we were going to do this and we did it? Um, I'm sure part of him does. I mean, who wouldn't, uh, right. If any of us in that position, it's easy to say like, Oh, you don't need to be a front or you don't need to ball. The reality is, is like something happens to you. People tell you you're wrong or you suck. And then yes. you prove them wrong. Every <laughs> one of us deep down wants to kind of be like, Hey, see that now. Yes. Um, but you know, his, <laughs> what I've learned about him through my entire life and, and became very apparent from this is he's so competitive um, 
that winning one thing is sort of just trampoline to the next thing. Right. Ugh, um, fantastic. You know, he he's kind of, and, and maybe this is a blessing and a curse. It probably is. Um, he's never satisfied. Right. He always, always finds a way. And this is actually, I've always said, he and Draymond remind me mm, of each other quite I a bit. Um, they both need something right. to get them going. Um, it doesn't need to be a whole lot. Right. But they <laughs> thrive on someone telling them no, or someone telling them you suck, or something going wrong, or someone saying you're done. We saw this actually uh, when we played Washington in, in D.C. a couple days ago, and there was a fan going after Draymond and telling him that he wasn't a Hall of Famer and all this, and then Draymond had an unbelievable fourth quarter. <laughs> but my dad is kind of like that. He thrives on competition yeah. and being told he can't do something. Um, and in a lot of ways, this is like a, a major, major example of that. Sure, it was almost yeah. like you can't tell someone they can't do something any louder than having 20,000 people <laughs> boo and say you suck. Um, like you can't miss that message. <laughs> yeah, 20,000 people told him at the exact same time, <laughs> in the exact same way. That's amazing. Kirk, you are killing the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you again for doing it. I got very excited when I heard that you were going to do the show. I started writing down a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask you. And then I started weeding out the ones that I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to waste your time. Uh, and I landed on a set of questions that I'm very excited to ask you. We're going to, I'm going to ask you them now. They are all questions about the team airplane. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, here Shoot. we go. Is it like assigned seats? Does everyone sit in the same seat? We we are. Um, it's we, we don't even like need what? to put. Front yeah, office? we don't need to put placards anymore. Um, we we pretty much know now. On big trips like in the playoffs, we we will actually put placards up because we have more people traveling than than typical. But yeah, it's we have a certain section um, that is is kind of just players, and it. now it's <laughs> we've had to move some other people in there to make everyone fit on the plane. We have another section that's certain players and certain like executives together. That's actually where the um, the card games usually happen. Right. Um, there's a little table there. Then you have the coaches section and then you kind of have the, all the other staff section, but people have their, their seatmates who they sit next to. Um, Dr and you Draymond know, it changes never, a little bit year to year. I was just going to say Draymond never like Draymond. Let's say Draymond, you know, has a bad game uh, and uh, you know, misses some big shot at the end of the game. He's never like, oh, I'm, I want to be at the window this time because I'm ticked off. And so I, I'm just in this mood right now. I want to be here. So you, you beat it. You go into the other seat. That never happens. Not that I've ever noticed. Um, no, it's, it's, they're in there. They've got their same spots. People are kind of creatures that have it. Um, you know, there have been times when people have, I guess, acted differently on the plane in terms of like sleeping or not sleeping right, right, right. Um, or like loud card game or playing loud music that certainly changes. Um, you know, for the most part, like the coaches section is pretty quiet and they're all watching right, film. Right. And although they actually usually have a speaker in their section, ironically, depending on the time of the flight. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all pretty Got standard. It. They do a lot of these trips a lot. Um, and every team is different to be clear. Right, 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 all right. the teams, the, the, te the, I think it's 26 of the teams in the NBA use the same program. So they're actually using the same planes. Um, Got might it. even be 28 now. Uh, but everyone splits up who sits where very differently. Got it. Uh, this is not a plane related question, but I just thought of it. And I want to ask you about it before I forget. Do you know the internet thing about, how it looks like someone said that it looks like Draymond shooting. Like when he shoots, it looks like he's wearing a backpack. Have you heard that? Yeah. Yep, is that the that. funniest thing you've ever heard in your life? It It is pretty entertaining. Cause I've, oh I've thought that it kind of looks it's that way so too. Good. He's got a very Holy unique way of kind of sitting down to, <laughs> to get his shot launched. So good. Whoever that guy is genius. All right. The, the next question. And you sort of touched on this. Is it the same pilot, same crew every flight you guys take? No, 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 no. Oh, it's uh, it's all run through a Delta program, um, so they have a rotating crew. It wouldn't be possible to. There's flight hour yeah, issues yeah, yeah. and right, stuff right, like right, 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 right. Of course. Uh, how does food work? I know I've read that you mentioned food is a big part of the culture there uh, at a company and and at all good companies. I love that idea. How does food work on the plane? Are there snacks? Are people snacking? Are there full meals? How does it work? Depends on the length of the flight when right. we're flying. Uh, we right. typically have a pretty full full option um, 
for like a full service meal on the flight, nice catered food. There's also snacks. Typically it's changed over the years. We used to have a ton of PB and J's everywhere. And then at one point someone said, no, that's not the healthiest thing to have for, and then I, I think at one point it came back. Um, so is it yeah, junk it, food. Do you have like the bis- like what about like classic airplane junk food? Do you do you know do you know those classic Bischoff uh, airplane cookies? Those like those. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. Do you guys yeah, have those? Are those on the plane? No, we have. Uh, <laughs> they they usually have some sort of thing. The, the big secret about the Golden State Warriors organization is that we are own special chocolate chip cookie recipe. <gasps> um, I yeah have never been so excited in my life. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> we could have done an entire show about the chocolate. <laughs> you're chip not. Cookies, you're not honest. kidding. You are yeah. not kidding. What makes these? Hold on. Whose idea was this? Like, did someone spearhead this? And what makes them special? This is crazy. Okay, I will. Again, this could have been a whole show, and and given the timing, <laughs> oh, I will. I will whittle this down to about Thank three you. minutes. Okay. Um. So Bob Myers is uh, a cookie connoisseur. Like you've never, Ugh. you may think you like cookies. No, you know nothing. You know nothing about chocolate chip cookies. Um, so Bob is, uh, it's one of his few vices in life. He um, loves, 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 ch- and needs chocolate chip cookies. Um, and he's open, he's open to different types. Um, but he really, he, he can tell the different if you put nuts in it or, you know, is it too thin or too thick or too undercooked or overcooked? And he travels uh, with a bag of chocolate, usually homemade chocolate chip cookies. He's got various brands that he's willing to to buy uh, or to to bring with him and eat. Um, so we started a number of years ago. Uh, our well, at the time we didn't even have a chef. They, we started buying chocolate chip cookies from one of the places he liked, and they would be spread out in the right. kind of executive lounge for games uh. to the point where we had a room that was known as the cookie room. Uh. Um, and that's where we held pre dream. and post game meetings. So uh, fast forward here, we moved to Chase Center. We have a new cookie room. Um, <laughs> but the problem is, is that our chef, uh, Bert Jr., who is an absolute legend and probably the number two employee at the organization behind Steph Curry. If you if you took a I'm, I'm dead serious on this. If you took a. Uh, a ranking of every employee, and, and we did this blindly. That the organization Bert probably comes out number two behind Steph. Um, so Bert worked on his own chocolate chip cook recipe, and um, he puts out a plate of them, and it got really bad because we were all eating a lot of them. We had to remove them from downstairs where the players are. Um, and a, a number of our staff members said, "No, they're actually typically right outside my office. Um, I can see there's an empty plate right now because the team's away, so the chef's not not here making them." Um, I used to watch coaches come and tiptoe and look around, make sure no one's seen that they're going to take two cookies. And then they'd look up and they'd see me and just like, oh, no. And I'm like, I, I, it's good. I'm not going to tell anyone. Uh, but these cookies are, are great. So Bert's oh chocolate chip God. cookies. And he'll change his recipe a little bit here and there or get some different ingredients. But that must be so Bert's chocolate chip cookies. And now he wraps them up and puts them plates so that they're good all day. Um, Ugh, and you know, we've got a couple secret locations of them, but this is a chocolate chip cookie organization and Bert's chocolate chip <laughs> cookies are phenomenal. I really also want to take a, I want to take a moment to also recognize that the guy that makes them is named Bert, which it makes me go Bert, the cookie man, which is so fun. It's yeah, Bert, Bert, the Jr. Cookie Bert man. Jr. We actually have Bert a Bert Jr. Senior and a Bert Jr. Oh my God. What a great, that, what a great story. That's fantastic. I'm so jealous. The next credentials are test of time, Kirk. That's when we compare this moment against other moments like it. Are there (laughs) – the problem is, what is like this moment? I went through, and I want to pitch you some and get your opinion. What's better? This is crazy that I'm saying this, but I really honestly think it might be true. The first one that came to mind is Babe Ruth calling a shot. Is that insane? Am I comparing Steph Curry's look-away shot to Babe Ruth calling his shot? It's a, it's a little insane, um, and in some ways it's not because this one we have footage. We know it happened. Um, right. Yeah, there you go. Oh, oh, see, now what you've done is you've just said this one is for sure real, and so it may well, be therefore better. 
But in some ways, it, it makes the Babe Ruth thing. You'll never beat that because you can never prove what really happened. Right, true. Um, you know, if, if we didn't have footage of Steph's right. look away, we, we, this thing could take on, you know, it was from 45 feet and he, you know, threw it and he, he actually pointed at the floor. Right. Checked the wind, <laughs> you know, pointed at a tape, right. flicked it over his head, turned around. Like, you know, who knows what, legend, what, what's going to come out of this. Yes, Um. Yes. But it's amazing that a moment like this can hold the test time because stuff like that, and that's where they're different, right? A Babe Ruth calling his shot. We can't ever really argue about it. Yeah. And you can't go back and watch it. Yes. All you yeah, know is the point. legend, which in itself is amazing and special. This is just very different because not only can we watch it over and over, we do. Yeah. We go back yeah, and watch it. Yeah. What about MJ closing his eyes at the free throw line or Larry Bird holding up his finger on that money ball in the last rack in the three point contest? Those are up there. I think you at the um, the beginning, you talked about the fact that this was at a key point in a playoff game. Yes. You know, kind of just fundamentally makes it different than an all-star yeah. three-point contest in the middle of a random game. Point. That said, those are two of my favorite, like, shit-talking moments. Because that's okay, really right. what we're talking right. about, right? Yes. These are really nonverbal ways of talking shit um, yes. that are pretty pretty legendary. I mean, you just you named two of the best best you're, you just said it you're you're right it's the nonverbal part that makes it global that cuts across every line it's like a silent movie you're, that that's a really good point the nonverbal part of that is fascinating and also in, in talking about the larry bird moment and the mj closing his eyes steph does it all the time it's it, it's 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 in a freakish way the frequency with which he does it sort of puts it above the, the other one i want to compare it to and this guy is a patron saint of the first bell hall of fame Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders, there's a particular moment. Deion Sanders picks the ball at the Chargers 10-yard line. He's high-stepping at his own 40. He evades the last tackle at midfield. He's galloping at the 20. He's dancing at the five-yard line. He dances over the goal line. That's a, that's like the most audacious thing I've ever seen in a football game. And this is the most audacious thing I've ever seen in a basketball game. And anytime I'm comparing someone or something a moment to Deion Sanders and by the by this guy doesn't even play football high high praise to be in that uh, uh Deion camp that prime time neon Deion camp also Nick Young's uh, what it's it listen Steph's look first look away isn't funnier than Nick Young his look away when he missed it That's the fact that we have both ends of the spectrum on this <laughs> shot is is really a perfect cap to it right it, it really it encapsulates all that can be in a basketball shot Yes. The next credential, you mad, Rob. Play my camera on clip here. You mad, you mad, you mad. Thank you very much. I like it when someone is mad. I like it when someone's mad about this. Was anyone mad about Steph's look away? Not really. The The person that's the most angry seems to be Draymond Green. He wrote on his social, the most disrespectful move in sports history. Done so gracefully. Draymond wins that. Uh, the next credential, burning questions. I don't have any deep questions about this moment this look away shot uh i do have questions for you kirk as the executive vice president of the warriors uh let me ask about a couple moments game six 2016 clay thompson goes game six clay for the first time your dad in the tunnel bowing down to clay thompson gives him a big hug you're right there you get dapped up clay's on a high and he absolutely leaves your brother hanging it is so honestly it's so uncomfortable i when i saw it live i thought i was going to die and pass away my eyeballs crawled out of my head what are your memories of the moment does that moment make the lake of brothers hall of fame it's one of my favorite moments um <laughs> i that game is one of the most fun i told you earlier that i, I watch games completely flatlined that might yes. be one of the few that I've ever watched where I wasn't completely flatlined. Um, I really enjoyed it. It, it was <laughs> un, it was just unbelievable. Um, and to, to come in after I me, mean, we're all in that hallway. We're, we're hyped up. And my dad just does something absolutely ridiculous. Um, at the time, I remember high-fiving Clay hard. And uh, I didn't really notice at first, but then someone started passing around. Do you, you see the video of this guy who didn't get the high five and is stuck in it. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Kent. Um, and I just, as a big brother felt like I had to, uh, 
make sure that that made its rounds. <laughs> of course. Um, I think I even still, it's some of my social media, it's in the background somewhere. Um, <laughs> it, it is just hilariously funny to me because it, so it's funny. one of those things we talked about, like, that thing is never going to die. We have video of it. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> Lives on the internet forever. My brother cannot run from this one. I mean, he's forever that guy who on national TV blatantly did not get a high five from Clay Thompson. <laughs> uh, the next burning question. Are you guys relieved you never had to play my Lakers, those 2020 bubble Lakers? Are you relieved about that? Is that relief the word you'd use? Literally don't even remember this team that you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so I, clips. I mean, maybe we play them. Maybe we beat them. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember <laughs> this team at all. Kirk, I see the clock is winding down on us. It's almost time for America's favorite podcast segment. More important. Kirk, are you familiar with the podcast segment? More important. Uh, I am not, but it sounds like I'm about not. to be. No, of course you're not. Yes, you are. We're going to learn a lot about the real Kirk Lake, but I appreciate you participating. Here we go. Kirk Lacob, Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations. The Warriors have been light years ahead of the competition over the last decade. The franchise under the Lacob reign has looked to the future in a number of ways. But as I look to the future, I see Stephen Curry eventually getting older, eventually slowing down, and eventually maybe not being the A1 alpha dog on the squad. As someone who has overseen the budget of the franchise, Will the Warriors be prepared to move on from the face of the franchise or will ownership pay up and give Steph Curry the golden parachute many feel he's owed even when perhaps his game isn't up to his own high standards? I don't think it's really a decision we ever have to make. Oh, I'm so sorry, Kirk. Nobody cares about your answer to that question. It's time for something more important. Yeah, the music's playing. There's a timer clicking down. we got to go fast. This is a fast one. Kirk, are you ready for more important? These are important questions. They're all more important than anything you I'm were ready. about to say. Buckled up. Let's Here we go. What is your favorite cereal? Changes, but I, I'm in a Lucky Charms mood right now. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Lucky Charms, let's go. What is your favorite Tetris piece? Uh, probably the reverse L. I, I love that. That's not the right answer. It is the T, but I do appreciate you not going long. That's great. Well, who's the best-looking jumper? Who has the best-looking jumper in NBA history? There are two follow-ups. Best-looking jumper? Yes. Uh, do we count the the granny shot free throw from Rick Barry? Can oh, that, that's a that, great what a great Does that answer. count? Can we count yes, that? Yes, that absolutely counts. I love that answer. That people thing is should, silky and smooth. I mean, it beautiful. is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. It's crazy that people think that that's not cool. I think it's awesome. Uh, what is your favorite sports mascot? Ooh, favorite sports. Can I, college pro, does it matter yes, here? You can, you can, yeah, you, any, any sport. I mean, I should be saying, well, and this is not even really the mascot. I should be saying the tree at Stanford. Right. You know, the problem is, is like, Sometimes I really don't like it. Sometimes I love it. Um, it actually depends on the year. It looks different every year. But it's not actually the mascot. It's the mascot of the band. Is not that true? The school. I didn't yeah, know people, that. Most people don't oh, yeah, know that. It's actually. Yeah, so it's the mascot of the band. So I don't know if that really counts. I should say that. I, I'm a Stanford grad. So, like, that's what I should say, I think. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, that's a great answer. The tree. <laughs> what a great answer. Uh, where uh, we're talking sports. Next question. We're talking sports. This podcast is supposed to be funny. Who is the funniest NBA player today? Which player is very funny? It completely depends on what you consider funny. I will say that I found Nick Young, Swaggy P, very, very funny. Sure. Um, I also find Clay Thompson absolutely He's hilarious. Best. He's so um, funny. But those are two very, very yes, different ways very of different. being funny. Yes. And you know what's what's amazing about Clay is he pairs that sense of humor with this beautiful like understand like that that um, quote about the ocean is mm -hmm. legitimately beautiful and I love it and I'm so glad that he said it. A great answer. Uh, where do you keep your championship rings? You, do you ever just? Uh, eat lucky charms wearing uh, your championship ring i actually I, I keep them in my bed and i spread them out before i go to sleep each night <laughs> Hell yeah. and i kiss each one of them and then i place them in the bed so that i sleep on top of them um no i i actually uh i look at them maybe once a year um, i have to drag them out for like an event i'm told i need to wear them um and then i'll then i'll pull them out 
Amazing. I'm going to I'm going to believe and keep the bed thing though. That's what I'm going to. We're going to edit everything else out. Rob edit that out. Um th- that's it. That's more important. You did fantastic. That was so much fun. Cutting you off. You're like you you're, you're going to you're you're so high up at the Warriors and I just cut you off. That was a blast. Okay. The the next credential we're almost wrapping up here. It's the cosine. Kirk, the question is to you. The floor is yours. Does Steph Curry's first look away shot in the playoffs against the Nuggets? Does it belong in the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? A hundred percent it does because it comes from a Hall of Famer. Um, I think that you can go two ways with that. Either it's coming from somebody who never will have another moment again and it's all you remember them, or it's one of the greatest moments for one of the greatest players uh, we've seen in any sport. Um, And it it started, I think, a trend. It's the beginning of something. It it was not a one-off Disney. It was the beginning of a trend uh, of, of kind of viral shots in basketball it's great it's time it's time to move on it's time to move on to the induction speech that's when me neil i get to decide listen kirk is the evp of the warriors but i'm the goddamn ceo of the first ballot hall of fame i get to make this decision i'm going to take everything he said into account but i'm going to be the one that makes the decision this thing's fucking going in of course it's going in i shouldn't have swore yeah but, but of course this thing should fucking go in like there's no we can't debate this you can't debate something like this it's too good are there better steph lookaway shots in basketball history of course there's the one where he daps up andre Iguodala in the middle of the game there's the one that has that incredible picture i, I think it was from the finals against the, the celtics there are better lookaway shots but this is the godfather this is the star wars of of lookaway shots and it's going in to the first ballot Hall of Fame. Stephen Curry, Kirk Lake of all the Warriors, congratulations. This moment will live in the first ballot Hall of Fame forever. Fantastic. We appreciate you having, on behalf of Steph and the Warriors organization, we really appreciate this. Um, and we're, we're looking forward to the after party. What can you, what can, how can people follow you, Kirk? What can you plug? Do you have any work to plug that people should watch? <laughs> no, I don't think anyone should watch or read anything I, I say, including this podcast. Um, if you really want, I do not tweet very often, but if you want, you can follow me on Twitter, Lake at Prime. Um, that's a story for another day. You can see my Optimus Prime here in the background. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, yeah, you're not going to get a lot of good content. I'll tell you that. Uh, but if that's what you're looking for, you're looking for no or terrible content. Uh, but you want to say, I follow that guy. I heard him on Neil's podcast. Go ahead. Fantastic. Kirk, thank you so much for doing the show. I really, really appreciate it. And then also you brought it. You were killer. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. That's it. That's the show. My thanks to Mr. Kirk Lake of Kirk. If you could send me some of those cookies, I'd really appreciate it. I feel like my review of the Warriors cookies could really open up a new revenue stream for you guys. I'm willing to taste test them for free. Thanks again to Kirk. It was amazing to have you on the show. My thanks to Robbie Bobby Arucci, my partner, my editor on this show. Thanks to Jessica Seng for producing. Thanks to Rhythm J at Rhythm J on social for making all the first ballot beats. Jorge Naranjo plays guitar on more important theme. My shout out today goes to Nikki Palafox. She really helped out this show. She's been listening from the beginning and will always be a giant fan of hers. She's a huge Lakers fan, a huge Kobe fan, and she has one of this planet's great names, Palafox. Good luck beating that, you losers. Thanks again, Nikki. We appreciate you. If you rate the show or post about us on social, please tag us. Let us know so I can shout you out on the pod. I hope you'll consider. And please come back next week for more First Battle. <laughs>